Welcome to Growth Mindset University. I'm your host, Jordan Paris, and this show is all about learning the lessons we should have learned in school but did not, so that we can succeed in the progressive new age of business and life we find ourselves in today. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on, because school is now in session. When I first started this podcast, I had no clue what I was doing, and it showed. This podcast was terrible in the beginning, so much so that when people tell me today that they listen to early episodes, I cringe because it was just that bad. But along the way, of course, I figured things out and started growing as I was going. But I wish I knew these things in the beginning. I could have saved so much time, money, and just sheer embarrassment. Now I'm solving for all of the unknown variables of podcasting for you with my brand new course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster. Oh, and by the way, it's completely free. In the course, I give away every single one of my secrets from marketing to building a business around your podcast and monetizing your podcast without ads. I put a ton of effort into this course over the past few months, and it is extremely professional. And this is something that people around me said I should be selling for 400 bucks, but I said, no, I am giving this away for free. I couldn't think of something better to share with you. So for free access to my new course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster, you can go to jordanparis.com forward slash course. That's jordanparis.com forward slash course for free access to my brand new course, How to Become a Rockstar Podcaster. I look forward to seeing you in the course. Let's build a business around your podcast. I am extremely grateful that you are here with me today on Growth Mindset University. Just want to let you know that two times per week, we have interviews with the best of the best. New York Times bestselling authors, billionaires, the like, the most successful people in the world, people like Mark Manson, Naveen Jain, James Altucher, so many more. And I don't want you to miss these interviews. So go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, Growth Mindset University, wherever you are listening right now. One of my favorite things is when you reach out to our guests that we have on the show. So for example, if you enjoy today's guest, please reach out to them. Tell them that you enjoyed today's episode. Send them that token of gratitude. Like, look, I heard John Jordan's show and it was so good. This really impacted me. If you do this with every guest, you're going to start building a world-class network in record time. This is how I built my network. So this is just another way I'm looking to give back to you here. Just give you this little tip. So reach out to our guest today. And now without further ado, please enjoy the show. My guest today is Jordan Harbinger. After hosting the Art of Charm podcast for 11 years, regularly in the iTunes top 50 and downloaded over 4 million times a month, the critically acclaimed Jordan Harbinger has begun a new adventure, The Jordan Harbinger Show. It hit the iTunes top 100 after just a few weeks, was awarded Best of 2018 podcast by Apple, and is also one of Apple's most downloaded new shows. The Jordan Harbinger Show gets deep into the untapped wisdom of the world's top 
performers, from legendary musicians to intelligence operatives, iconoclastic writers to visionary changemakers. Throughout his career as a host, Jordan has interviewed the likes of Neil deGrasse Tyson, Russell Brand, Shaquille O'Neal, Simon Sinek, Tony Hawk, Larry King, and many more. And he's lauded as one of the best interviewers out there. I certainly view him as that over my many years listening to The Art of Charm and The Jordan Harbinger Show. A former Wall Street attorney, Jordan speaks five languages and spent several years abroad in Europe and the developing world, including South America, Eastern Europe, and the Middle East. He has also worked for various governments and NGOs overseas, traveled through war zones, and been kidnapped twice. He'll tell you the only reason he's still alive and kicking is because of his ability to talk his way into and out of just about any type of situation. And I believe he is the foremost expert in networking, even though he says networking is a dirty word. Jordan Harbinger, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate the uh, opportunity. Absolutely. my It's totally my pleasure to have you because I had a pain point in my life uh, about a year and a half ago in January of 2018, where after many years, I kind of got sick of it. And uh, I, I didn't know how to talk to people. Just didn't. And around that time, I heard you and Vanessa Van Edwards on uh, a couple of different podcasts. And so I went on the journey of communication and human behavior and networking and listening to all the interviews. Not Now for you, you have like hundreds. I didn't listen to all the interviews that you've, uh, you've been on the other side for, but I listened to a lot of them, went through your course, which we're going to talk about. And uh, same with Vanessa Van Edwards. Of course, it came full circle for Vanessa and I. I had her on the show a couple of months ago. And now here we are, Jordan. So thank you for making such a positive impact in my life because my communication skills have gotten so much better. My my social interactions are no longer uh, awkward and grossly unfulfilling. So thank you, Jordan. Yeah, you're, you're, you're welcome, man. Not a problem. Standard operating procedure. So your course, the six-minute networking... Uh, which is a free course. I need people to get that at course.jordanharbinger.com. That is such a good course with things that you've likely not heard before in you know in the world of networking. It's, it's it it I love I I I follow this stuff. I have appointments in my calendar for the uh, you know Gmail roulette and reaching and just going through my contacts and just texting you know weak ties right so there's so many little habits in there that you can pick up course.jordanharbinger.com and the Jordan Harbinger show of course that we already mentioned you can find that anywhere if you're listening to this podcast you know where to find it and at Jordan Harbinger on Instagram now Jordan I have a I don't know how this is going to go but I have a couple of messages to relay to you Vanessa. Vanessa Van Edwards, in, in the middle of our show, we, somehow we, we came on you and, and mentioned you, and she said, she started laughing about this inside joke and said to ask you about it, and do you have any idea what, what that was? Uh, inside, <laughs> any inside joke? Just it, any joke whatsoever? It, it was it's some inside joke that she said to ask you about, but... I mean, that sounds about right. I, there there was a time where I interviewed her, and um, since I'm, like, super ADD, I just started laughing crazily. It, not at anything she said, and she goes, what are you looking at? And I was just like, I don't know. Like, I wasn't paying attention. I just started cracking up in the middle of the interview. It was super embarrassing. Actually, it was really unprofessional of me to do. 
Um, but there are so many inside jokes that I have with her because she's such a great person and super oh, yeah. smart. And we've been in the same industry for a really long time. We have a lot of inside jokes, but I'm almost afraid to tell you all of them because some of them might be like, oh, I wasn't going to share that. And then it's like, oh, that's what I thought this kid meant. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just not going to, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to take a stab in the dark. Seems like it could be dangerous. Well, then my next one is another message to relay to you. Steve Sims said to call you a quote-unquote tosser. And tosser? Sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. What's a tosser? I don't know. That checks that out. I'm pretty sure that's uh, English, British English for turd. <laughs> okay. But I'm not God. sure. But knowing I, yeah. him, that's what that is. I asked him, and he, I'm like, what's a tosser? After he said to call you that, and he just started laughing. I was like, okay, I'll find out in a couple of months, I guess. Uh, he also said to say he taught you everything that you know. Well, I can't uh, argue with that. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, Jordan, so networking is a dirty word. Like, what's our alternative here? Is there an alternative word? Yeah, I mean, look, it's all semantics, but it really is about relationship development. And and this is an important split here because it really does have to do with creating and maintaining relationships. Networking has been lit on fire as a as a descriptor because people think, Ugh, all right, what's going to happen is, you know, I'm going to go to this dumb networking thing. Someone's going to throw business cards in my face, et cetera, et cetera. Not that's not really the case, right? That's not really what's happening. What's what's going on in a relationship development you know, from a relationship development angle is you're you're basically just making friends, but you can't really say make friends because what does that really mean? And do adults really do that? And they think, oh, that's something that kids do. So that becomes problematic too. So I just go with relationship development because that's a word or term that doesn't have any baggage attached to it, if that makes sense. You know, because when I think of networking, even when I think of networking, somebody who teaches networking and relationship development, I just think, ugh, this is this is gonna suck, right? I don't networking is for old people. I don't want to do deal with this. I don't want to do that. That's what people are thinking about, and and I don't really want that. You know, I I don't want that at all. Um, I want people to be excited about this because that's quite important, frankly, candidly. You know, it's it's really important. Uh, to develop relationships and to have strong relationships. But it, nobody, nobody wants to go to a networking event. That's, it sort of says many red flags to people that that value their time. I was just going to ask you, what's your opinion of networking events? So I take it you're not a fan. Uh, it depends. I go to tons of events that have networking involved, but they're events where, here's a rule. Never go to a non-curated event. And what I mean by that is, if someone says, hey, uh, here's my Eventbrite link to a networking event in your town, and you go, oh, I really need to network, don't go. Because what that really means is anybody can go, they want a bunch of people to go so that they have a bunch of people at that event, right? And then they're gonna pitch their Tupperware or their business idea or their app or whatever it is, or or it's it's to promote something. And so this is an important idea because especially in a place like LA, you drive across town, you park, you pay for parking, you go in, there's some stale cookies on a table, everyone's sitting in a circle, and then somebody approaches you before you even have a chance to sit down and they go, hey, how you doing? Barney Johnson here. If you ever need a financial manager or you're planning for your retirement, here's my business card. And they give you a business card and when you, it's so thin that when you put it in your hand, it just curls up into a little 
just rolls itself up into a little ball. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, this is a waste of time. Everyone here is a taker. Events that are curated are the kind that I go to. And I, I, people always go, what should I go to? And the answer is go to the best one you could afford. If it's Ted and it's 10 grand or 20 grand or whatever it costs to go to Ted a a lot uh, these days, go to the Ted conference. What's it? But it's a, but it's about talks. It's not networking. Yeah, the talks are the foundation for it. But everybody there is meeting and greeting. If you're super big swinging, you know what? You go to the Davos Economic Forum. Maybe you go to Summit Series. Maybe you go to Mastermind Talks. You know, these are curated events. You can't just sign up and go. And therefore, the people who are there are the asset. And that's important because if you go to an event that's not curated, usually it's like ten dollar cover, and you go there, and that's the that's the business model. For a curated event, the organizer is going to be very careful about who goes because they know that if I show up to an event and you show up to an event and some schmo turns up to an event and he's annoying to you and I, we might not come back. So his whole mission in life, his whole business model is predicated upon making sure that only the best, most interesting, value-giving, friendly, nice, down-to-earth people go to these events. So curation is an art and a science and that's the difference between an event at a resort that costs five hundred dollars and you got to pay for your own stuff, and a resort that costs five, uh, and, and an event that costs five thousand dollars and you got to pay for your own stuff, or a fifteen thousand dollar all inclusive. They can all be at the same property. They can all have the same damn food. They can all have the same, be in the same location. It doesn't matter. The difference is curation. I routinely pay ten grand to go to an event each year, and that's a ridiculous sum. And I still have to pay for the flight and I still have to pay for the hotel. It's just the event. And yeah, the food's good, but that's not really it. What's What it is, is I'm sitting next to people that I could not really get in a room altogether. And we're doing, we're not checking our phones. We're hanging out with each other because that's the best use of that time. You know, I'm sitting down next to the CEO of Citibank on my left. And on my right is a fitness influencer that's crushing it and doing really good business. I I was going to say someone's name, but I decided not to because I don't want to out anyone. And then in front of me is a guy who wrote a best-selling book. And then behind me is a a person who started Instagram. I mean, these are are the type of people that I want to be around and you have to pay for curation. And what I find is interesting is those people have also paid for curation, right? They're not the attraction. The attraction is everyone in the group. It's most events, they'll have like, Tim Ferriss is coming to speak, Mark Cuban's coming to speak, and everyone buys a ticket. This, everyone pays for their ticket, and you show up, and you're there because of the other people that buy the ticket. And that's a pretty good racket, right? You even have your speakers paying to get there, and they're buying a ticket for 10 grand because you bought a ticket for 10 grand. I mean, that's a good, brisk business to be doing. And the reason that that's able to exist is curation, because that's the difference between an event that wastes your time in an event that that is absolutely worth it and that you wouldn't miss for the world. I in, fa- in fact, uh, it's funny that you bring this up because I just got an email from the event organizer and he said, yeah, we picked the property. It's going to be great. We're going to be in Cabo. It's going to be so much fun. Da, da, da. And then he said, unless you're one of the select few that decides that you love this event so much, you're going to come in 2020. And I replied, hey, can we really sign up for 2020? And he said, yeah, but you have to pay right away. And I said, that's fine. Do I lock in current pricing? And he said, yeah. And I said, man, I would have bought till 2025 if I'd known I could have locked in current pricing. So I ended up paying. I haven't even gone to the 2019 event, and I just paid for the 2020 event because I know it's going to be that good, 
and they don't allow everyone to come back. So I jump at the chance. It's run by a friend. I'm not too worried about him going out of business. You know what I'm saying? But that's the value of a curated event. There's no the other paper. place in the world. Maybe if they were holding it at the White House, you know, or something like that, you know, the Louvre, I don't know, I, I would pay for an event like that. Otherwise, you know, you'd have to be crazy. You get what you pay for. And I mean, at a $10 event, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Who are, who are the types of people you're, you're going to surround yourself with at a $10 event? It makes a lot of sense to mm-hmm. go to a curated event. Now, I really love just your... I, I, I say in the intro, you're, I think you're the foremost expert on networking slash relationship development in the world. And just your philosophy makes so much sense. Everything between, you know, dig the well before you're thirsty and social capital, which I know, I know you've mentioned before that, you know, you've taken these concepts from elsewhere and kind of made them your own. But, you know, you, Again, you, you kind of curate these concepts and make it part of your message, and it, that's what makes it so impactful, and you practice what you preach. So, before we talk about all of that, if some or like what impacts does a you know do relationships have on a business? Well, the relationships are the only insurance it's the best insurance policy that money can't buy. And what I mean by that is, for example, Recently, when I had to start over, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have my website. Oh my gosh, I don't have my email address. I don't have my email list. I don't have my social media, nothing. What I was able to do is reach out to the people that I'd been talking with and and working with for 10 plus years. And I said, look, I got to start over. I got to start the Jordan Harbinger show. I got to leave my old program. And I was able to rebuild to 6 million downloads a month within 18 months. And I was up to well over seven figures in revenue after the first year because of the people in my network. Now, if you had said, look, we'll give you $2 million to start over, but you can't use your network, I wouldn't have taken it because I was able to get my show promoted. I was able to go on a bunch of other people's programs. I was able to get my team back. I was able to find my marketing team to come back. I was able to get assets and create intellectual property because the people that had worked for me before came back and donated things that they had been paid to create before. And I had people donating time. I mean, it was amazing. You can't get that from, you. Can, there's no insurance policy you can buy that would cover this. You can't get that from being famous in a previous life, right? There's nothing you can do other than generating and making, creating and maintaining those relationships. There's nothing you can do to have that sort of result. So this turned out to be the best investment that I can make and you can't pay for it. There's no way... So a lot of people think, well, when I'm rich or when I'm well off, I will start networking because that's important. That doesn't work. It's only time and there's no way to make up for lost time, right? So if I've known someone for three years and you met them last week, it really doesn't matter if you have a million followers on Instagram and I've only got 100,000 or vice versa, right? They trust me. They know me. They like me. They trust me. Our relationship is deeper than yours and you really can't fake that. You know, short of you having an outrageous value add, there's just no way, right? If you're a billionaire and you run into somebody that I've known for a while, they might want to jump at the opportunity to work for you. But if I say, hey, don't work with this person, they're going to think about it because they know, like, and trust me, you want that working in your favor. You don't want to wait until you need relationships. Once you need relationships, you're too late to leverage them. A lot of people think like, oh, well, I don't network much. I'm a teacher. I don't really need a job. So I don't really need to network. What happens when you get fired? 
What are you going to do then? Start calling people you haven't talked to in five years and be like, hey, old buddy, old pal, remember me from from college? Yeah, I I need a job. What'd you say your name was? Yeah, it's just not going to work. Right. You need you need when you need something, you need to be able to shoot off a text or a phone call to somebody and they go, oh, hey, Jordan, what's up, man? Not new phone. Who dis or Jordan right on the tip of my tongue. Where do I know you from? That is not going to work because people already if you reach out to somebody out of nowhere, they already are thinking what's going on. What does this person need? So if you reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in three years, they're going to be very suspicious. What do you need? What do you want? If I reach out to somebody and I haven't talked to them for six months and I say, look, I just got fired. They're going to go, oh, my God. Hold on. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. Well, my friend's hiring for this and maybe you can come work with me for a while. That's what happens when you've got relationships with people that know, like, and trust you. But if you reach out to somebody and it's been two years and you go, wow, time flies, life really got in the way, so I got fired, then they're going to go, oh, let me guess, you need a job. Well, where were you when when I needed something? Where were you when neither of us needed anything? That's very suspicious. And you see this a lot with people who are trying to sell, you know what multi-level marketing is? Yeah, so these people, these poor souls who get sucked into these marketing scams. I already know if I get a text from somebody and they go, hey, it's Tim. And I go, Tim. And they go, Tim Johnson, you know, Tim from <laughs> such and such. And I'm like, a conference I went to four years ago. Uh, Hey, what's up? I didn't even know you had my phone number. Yeah. Do you know anyone that wants to get, a th- you know, generate some income? And I'm just like, please don't ever text me again. Oh right. My God. So you see this with them because those are people that generally don't understand business. That's why they signed up for multi-level marketing in the first place, and they don't understand networking. So those those are a pretty deadly combination. The people who do really well in, in any business are people that have really great, strong relationships. And there's, frankly, no better way to ruin a relationship than to try to sell somebody something after you haven't spoken with them in year, months and months and months or years and years and years. Music to my ears, and this is precisely what Dig the Well Before You're Thirsty is all about. It's building rapport before you go in with any ask, or building rapport before you're stuck between a rock and a hard place and you need a little bit of, of help. So what are some what what are some things that you do to metaphorically dig the well? I every day when I get up Around, well, when I get up, I wait a few hours because not everyone gets up the same time as me. But let's say let's say around 9, 10 a.m., I go to my phone and I scroll all the way to the bottom of my text messages. And at the bottom of your text messages, those are the people, those are the conversations that it's been two years, right? You had lunch with them two years ago at a conference. You got their phone number so that you guys could meet up, but then you never quite, you never quite got in touch after that, or maybe you didn't keep in close touch. I will text four, one to four of those people every day in the morning before things get too busy. And I'll say something like, Hey, Jordan, it's been a long time. Actually, I haven't spoken with you. This is Jordan Harbinger, by the way. I don't know if you have my number saved. We had lunch at FinCon in 2015, uh, at cafe gratitude. Anyway, I did a bad job of keeping. Oh my God. Hold on. I love cafe gratitude. (laughs) Hold the phone. Uh, anyway, yes, yes. You reach out to these people. Uh, you're, right. Uh, anyway, you, you say your own name, like, hey, it's Jordan Harbinger, by the way, just in case you didn't save my number. Because what you don't want is for them to be like, new phone, who dis? Or worse, if I get a text from someone and I don't know who they are, there's a 50-50 chance 
if I think, uh-oh, I should have saved this person's number, I'll say, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't have your number saved. But if it looks like they want something or I'm not sure, I just ignore it, right? Because if I say, who is this, sorry, I'm a little embarrassed if I should know them. But if I ignore them, there's no real consequence, right? So you wanna make sure that you say your name so that they know who you are so that they do not ignore you. They'd have to deliberately ignore you at that rate. And that's really easy to, to, to do. It's easier to ignore someone than it is to acknowledge. So what I do then is continue on in that text and I say, I know you're really busy, but I'd love to catch up with you if you get a chance. No rush at all. I don't have, I, I really don't have much uh, other than wondering what the latest thing is that you're working on. And then I usually share something about myself. So recently I had a baby uh, a couple weeks ago. And so I'm like, my, my Congrats. thank you very much. And so I'll say something like, my world has been consumed with this. And it's like jordanharbinger.com slash baby pics, right? And then there's photos of my baby. So people will be like, oh my gosh, you had a kid. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm just working on this. I actually had a little girl two years ago. I guess that must have been right after we had lunch. I don't know if I told you my wife was pregnant. I ended up getting married shortly uh, before that. I think you probably remember that. And then we're in a little conversation. And I know people go, oh, I don't have time for conversations every day with people. Don't worry. They go like four or five you know, texts deep and then they say, well, I'm really busy, but let me know if you're ever in San Diego or got to get back to work, but you know, hit me up next week and we'll chat more if you want to something like that. It doesn't matter. But what this does is it reignites weaker and dormant ties that people that you wouldn't have ever probably ever talked to again. Um, and then you stay also top of mind. So if I'm doing this, let's say I'm doing this to four people a day, five days a week, taking the weekends off. That's 20 people a week, 80 people a month that I'm re-engaging and talking to that I normally wouldn't have been in touch with. And this is really useful because what this does is now I'm top of mind. And if I ever need anything, I can reach back out to them, sure. But usually that's not what happens. Often they'll say something like, yeah, I'm just starting a podcast. And I'll be like, oh, you know, I've been doing that for a while. Feel free to bounce a question or two off me if you have. And they go, oh, that's really nice of you. Or they say something like, yeah, I'm going on vacation to Disneyland. And I go, oh, are you, uh, you know, experienced Disney person. My friend runs a Disneyland podcast that might be a good way to get the most out of the park. And I'll send them the link to that or something, you know, little bits of value like that. Um, additionally, I might say something like, Hey, uh, I actually don't need anything, but let me know if I can ever help you. And they'll go, Oh, great, cool. And that's the end of the interaction. But what often ends up happening is let's say I text you that we talk, we talk for a few minutes on the phone, uh, text texting on the phone a month later, I might get a message from from you or someone else and they go, hey, Jordan, do you still do speaking events? I know I saw you gave a Google talk a while back and, and I, I'm just wondering because I'm about to walk into our sales meeting and we're picking a keynote speaker for our quarterly getaway, our quarterly offsite. Is that something you'd be interested in? And I go, yeah, sure. Where is it? Oh, it's in your neck of the woods. That's why I'm asking. Oh, great. Good. Yeah, I can do it. Uh, what's the budget? Oh, it's not much, but we'll pay for this, 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 and this. And since it's in your neck of the woods, I thought it might be an easy win. And I just go, yep. And I've had, I've had that happen so much where somebody will book me for something like that. And I'll end up driving like 20 minutes for like a five or $15,000 keynote, having lunch and then driving home. And the reason I got it is because somebody thought of me before going into a meeting. And the reason that they thought of me was because they had just spoken with me a few weeks prior via text. So you're playing a numbers game. You're kind of rolling the dice, but you're playing with house money. So to be to be top of mind with 80 people that you would have forgotten about forever every single month is a huge number of people. And that's normally the, that text that takes like five minutes to text four people, right? And you're cutting and pasting half the time. And you're 
using time that you otherwise would have just wasted on Instagram. So it's very useful. And yes, sometimes you're like, ooh, I haven't talked with them a while. Isn't it weird? No, that's exactly what you're doing. You're literally saying, hey, I've done a crappy job of keeping in touch. I just wonder what you're up to. You popped into my head. That's really not weird, right? It's weird when you go, so I need someone to help me share an article. I just posted it. It's on Huffington Post. Can you share it to your Twitter? That's weird because you know you done screwed up by asking them for something after ignoring them for years and years and years, right? So keeping those relationships just barely bubbling, just keeping those plates spinning is really easy and the payoff is really disproportionately high. And I think it's important to note as well that you should be doing this even with people that from the outset on you know surface level, you look at it and it's like, I don't really know that what they can do for me. It doesn't matter. Like, treat everyone like they can get you a cover story on Forbes magazine. I mean, that's what I say all the time. That's my philosophy. And with that, I get seed from seeds that I planted months, you know, months ago, back in 2018, uh, back in 2017. I get stuff coming back to me every single day because you combine that philosophy with dig the well before you're thirsty, and it's like the perfect storm. Now we talk about how to re-engage and reconnect with these loose ties. What about reaching out to someone for the first time? Maybe it's, I know you you and I get this a lot, you know, we get people asking to come on our show, which can be annoying. It's like the first time they reach out, like this is the the wrong way to do it. Like, like, hey, Jordan, would love to uh, come on your show if you're looking for guests. As as if I wouldn't right. be looking for guests, like I run an interview show, <laughs> and and then I, and I'll say I'll say like no, and it'll be like you're not looking for guests. <laughs> I'm like it's just not a fit. Uh, so what would be the the good way? You, you know, you can take the podcast example and run with it if you want, or any other, or more maybe more of a general example, whatever direction you want to go with this. How would you re? How would you engage? A tie, a non-existent tie. Oh, so cold outreach. Usually, it, it has yeah, to do outreach, with yeah. their work. So I might reach out to somebody and say, I, "In fact, I recently did this. It wasn't really a massive influencer or anything, but I I can talk about different examples. Massive, massive influencers. Um, which look to be fair, that's quite easy because." I've got 6 million downloads a month. I've got almost a million on Instagram. So me reaching out to another influencer is kind of like, what's up, bro? <laughs> you know, so it's it's not super, super yeah. hard. But I, I've interviewed Howie Mandel. I've had Chelsea Handler on the show, Shaquille O'Neal. You know, a, a lot of people that are certainly more popular than some random podcaster, as popular as my show might currently be, right? right? So what mm-hmm. I do is I make sh- damn sure that I'm reaching out to either them or their people, depending on how high we're talking. Look, if you're reaching out to Shaq, you're not reaching out to Shaq ever, right? You're reaching out to his people. So I got to find out who knows his manager, talk to those people, get the manager going, and make sure that that person has a favorable impression of me. That's how you get in the door. But if I'm talking about reaching out to somebody like James Altucher or Tom Bilyeu or some... Hey, you know, somebody like that. That's easy enough. What I do is I just look them up on social media, whichever social media I think they might use or all of them. And I say, hey, I just read your book. It's amazing. But I, I get specific because a lot of people, here's what I get every day, every day. Jordan, I love your podcast. It's so awesome. Would you consider having health and wellness influencer so-and-so on your show? And I go, what do you like about my show? And then like three or four days goes by and they go, 
or 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 not. You know, it doesn't have to be that. They'll go. I love that you have a great combination of guests, and I'm like, so you just love the people that you saw on the front page of the website? Any any favorite episodes you really like? And then they'll be like, the latest one. And I'm like, you didn't even look at the episodes. I mean, what do you mean the latest one? What do you like about the latest? I know I already know I'm wasting my time. I just stop answering. Right. So qualify. Qualify it, man. You know, like. If if I like something, I'll reach out and say, man, I really liked your book about the American prison system. I was shocked to find out A, B, C, D, and I wanted to research more of it, and I found an article you wrote from Mother Jones, and I thought that was really fascinating. Man, you're undercover time in prison. You must be a really gutsy person. I don't know if I'd last three days in prison. Anyway, I love this story, and I'd love to get you on my show. I think it would be fascinating. I don't know if you schedule your own stuff or if you have a media window but I'm I'm in no hurry, whatever works for you. And often, you know, a couple weeks later, that person will write back and go, hey, sorry, just been really slammed working on a deadline or working on another project. This sounds great. I'm glad you enjoyed my book. But you have to be very specific because creators like me, we routinely get people who are like, oh, just tell them you liked their work. And it's like, well, what did you like about it? I know you're lying. And if I know you're lying, that's worse than just not knowing. Right. If you just reach out and say, hey, I haven't listened to your show, but you have a big podcast and my job is to get this health and wellness influencer on shows, I get it. But if you're trying to trick me into thinking that you're a fan so you can butter me up so that your request goes over smoother, now I blacklist you. And I forward it to all of the, here's what people don't know. I will then forward it to all of the other large podcasters I know. I'll shoot James Altucher, I'll shoot Tom Bill, you a note. Whoa. I'll shoot Tim Ferriss a note. I'll just forward it with the email and I'll go, this person's full of shit. I don't know if I can say that on your show, but I'll say this person's full of crap and I they'll go noted. And then that person is basically shadow banned, right? They're not going to get a response. They're not going to hear, oh, well, when you pitch Jordan, you did a terrible job and he thinks you're a liar. And so now we think you're a liar too. We're just going to ignore your email for the rest of your life. Basically, your email just gets marked as spam and nobody ever sees you again. So it's worse to lie. It's easier to do the homework, but people are so lazy that they don't want to do that. So you just, you never want to be that person. You want to make damn sure you know what you're talking about. And yeah, if you read someone's whole book or the whole article and they're not interested, you can't go and get mad. Like, oh, I'm entitled to your time because I read your work. My job is to produce work for millions of people. You're not entitled to anything. You're entitled to the work, right? So you have to be comfortable with rejection and you can't have that sense of entitlement that a lot of people have. It's, it's insane. Well, I guess this is a little bit of confirmation for me. When I reached out to you in February, Jordan, I pretty much said, like, look, we both know these people. And I also said, like, look, you're my social superhero. You've changed my life since I arrived at college three years ago. I went through your level one advanced human dynamics course, which is that's what right. it was now called it's called six time, minute networking. But, but yeah, exactly. Yes. Course course.jordanharbinger.com. Get another plug there. Such Thank a great you. course, and I, I mentioned I mentioned a couple other things in there too. I almost, I almost, I almost wouldn't do this today. I almost like gloated a little <laughs> bit, but <laughs> but but long story short, I mean, you're here. So anyway, uh, we I I'm on board with everything you're saying here, and I don't want to I don't want to lose sight of you know before we get to a point of no return, social capital, and essentially you build social capital by digging the well before you're thirsty and doing all the things that we've been talking about, right? Sorry, can you repeat that? I want to make sure I answer the right question. Yeah, so you build social capital by 
digging the well before you're thirsty with all of those Correct. Yeah. So I'm reaching out to about. people. I'm keeping relationships top of mind. I'm in, and I don't think we really hit on this. I am offering value wherever possible. So I'm not saying, and here's a common mistake people do when they, when they offer value, they go, what can I do to help you? And I go, I don't know. Why is this now my job to think of something you can do? Right. It's not. It's a homework, homework assignment. That's what James out. That's what James Yeah, I, it's too. funny. Him and I talk about this all the time. So what, yeah, we literally fun. just talked about this at his house like a couple months ago. So I'm, I'm, maybe that's why it was something that he mentioned. But um, it's a homework assignment. And him, he's like, I don't know how to solve this. And so I say, what do you think, what do you, think you can help me with? And if they come back with, I don't know, you tell me, then the conversation's over. I just archive it. But if they go, well, I don't know. I mean, I noticed that your YouTube thumbnails are not amazing. I don't want to be a jerk or anything. I don't know if you created that design. I'm just saying, I bet that we could test something else and they'd convert better. I'd go, great. Yeah. You know, it'd be helpful. Oh you make those, send them to Jen, who's my wife, who also does the YouTube stuff and we'll test them. We'll throw them on the couple of videos and he, then good. Now you're helping me. I don't, you don't have to hit the, the bullseye. You know, you don't have to go, oh, well, let me do this really complicated project. Let me redesign your whole website. No, you want to try a new YouTube thumbnail? Cool. You know, or it's something I've never even thought of. Oh yeah, I, I do need a new Twitter background. You know, I never even noticed that. Yeah, you could design another Twitter background. And I don't care if you hire someone on Fiverr, if you send me something that looks good, fine. You don't have to do it yourself. I really don't care. You know, so, so that's helpful, but don't give me the homework assignment because what you're basically saying, if you go, what, what can I do to help you? Then I go, Oh, well, um, you know, we're really right now we need someone who can do data analysis. Oh, well, I don't know anything about that. What else? Why am I guessing what you're qualified to do? You know, and in right. fact, even if I go, oh, well, I see that you're a data analyst. We need data analysis help. Why am I doing that? I should not have to do that. The other reason I shouldn't have to do that is because I know that you're just saying, what can I do to help you? Most people are just saying that because they are going to help me and then they're going to go, so now that I've helped you, can I come on your show? Or now that I've helped you, can I have a job? And it's like, ugh, this is not what it's about, right? You have to help people without the attachment of getting anything in return. There are a lot of people that help me and that I help and nothing ever really shakes out of it. But if you help me and, and then you say, now I want this and this and this, I'm going to go, ah, okay, this whole thing was kind of a, a trick, mm -hmm. right? You're not really wanting to just help me because you're a fan. You want something from me. It's, it's transactional. transactional. And I go, mm, I'm sorry I ever dealt with you. And usually I'll say, you know, I can't do that. And then I run from you because now I'm like, well, crap. Now you feel like you're owed something. This sucks. I'm, I'm annoyed that I got in this situation, but I felt like I was tricked. And so I, I don't feel too bad about it. Right. So it's, it's something for me where we have to be careful. It's in many ways. The reason that a lot of influencers or online personalities or creators aren't answering you is because they're used to being tricked. And so it's easier, literally easier for us a lot of the time to ignore your free help and hire someone because we're not going to get surprised later with, well, I helped you with this and then he ignored me. Well, yeah, he doesn't owe you anything. What are you talking about? Like why you're not owed anything. And a lot of people, they just don't seem to understand this. I mean, yeah, keeping score in any relationship is, I think, the most toxic thing you can do in a relationship. And, you know, going back to the, the homework assignment, too, I just realized, I, I don't know if James and I talked about it last time, but 
I know I've heard him say it before, uh, but I know Dan Locke and I talked about it. We were having a field day laughing at uh, people who who ask that question. Like, we're like, come on, it's 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 lame and it's lazy. It's very lazy, I think. Uh, so it just seems that the consensus among busy people, you're not going to get their attention if you ask, how can I help you? Like, what can I do for you? It's, right. it's not going to work. That's the consensus here. That's the, that's the lesson. There's better ways to reach out. So w- with all this networking practice and relationship development and social capital and digging the well before you're thirsty practices and habits, can you ever overdo it and overthink it? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that you could, but that's never been the problem that I've found. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I'm sure there's people that are like, oh yeah, you know, uh, wow, you shouldn't have done that whole big thing. You didn't have to do that whole big thing. But usually the problem is you didn't think about this at all. I, and, and the reason that people don't think about it at all, I get it. It's a forgivable mistake. They're thinking, what do I have to do to get Jordan's attention so that I can get something from him? They're rarely thinking, what can I do to help Jordan out? Because I don't know, maybe someday in like five years, you know, we'll be able to work together on something. But in the meantime, I just really like what he's doing. And I think he should have one of my custom iPhone cases. You know, I'm going to send this to you. Fancy. And, you know, like that stuff's cool, but it's very rare. Usually people go, hey, Jordan, you want a custom iPhone case? And I'm like, let me see him. Oh, these are really nice. Sure, that's really cool. Is Are you a fan of the show? And then they send it, and they're like, yeah, I'm a fan of the show. I love it. And then I get it, and I go, wow, this bamboo iPhone case is really cool, man. You're a really good artist. I really appreciate that. And they go, yeah, cool. Would you post it on your Instagram and then talk about it on the show? And I go, uh, dude, my ads on the show are like $4,000. This is a $89 case. It's nice. I'll take a photo and throw it in my story or something like that. But like, I'm not going to give you a $4,000. I, I could have bought a crate of these for the price of the ad that you're now sort of trying to guilt me into doing. And so, you know, don't have strings attached. It's literally worse than just not giving us anything. And I don't mean you have to give people free stuff. I just mean, don't help me or anyone. If you really aren't doing it, if you're doing it as a quid pro quo, if it's transactional, if you say, Hey Jordan, I would love to redesign your uh, website. Look, my fees are, I'm not, I'm not free, but here's my work. I think it's really good. Here's a design mock-up I think would look really good. I'm going to do this for a lower price. I can't do it for free, but I'm going to do it for a lower price because I would love to put you in my portfolio and say, I designed your website. It would probably cost you five grand, but look, you're going to get really quality work like this. I, I hate selling you something like this cold, but would it, are you looking for this or is it something you're interested in? I might say, yeah, this looks great for five grand, man. You're, you got a deal. Don't go hey, I'd love to design your website. Oh, yeah, I'm going to redesign it. Here's a mock-up. Yeah, oh, this looks great. And then you redesign my website, and then you go, so here's the thing. I really need you to pay for it. 20 grand. Nobody would ever do that, right? Nobody would ever say, by the way, that's fi- that'll be $5,000. But people do it with favors all the time. And it's like, just because a favor sounds like it's free doesn't mean there's not opportunity cost for the person giving it to you. Yeah, we got to give freely and not keep score. Now we talk about, uh, let's talk about the best way then to, let's say this is someone you've dug the well with before you got thirsty, but now you have, now you have an ask, right? You, what's the best way to go in for an ask? Because I know Jordan with me, 
oh my God, I hate asking people for things. Even if I've given them so much value and they've given me nothing, I just feel like I hate when the words come out of my mouth. I, I hate to be needy. Uh, oh my gosh, I don't like it. So how do you, how would you go in, advise going in for an ask? Uh, I would say it's it's actually quite easy. Hopefully, you're not going in completely cold. Hopefully, this is somebody you've talked to a little bit before, right. and that's always nice, right? It's not cold email. Hopefully, this doesn't go to spam. By the way, I want to redesign your website. What a lot of success people have done with me successfully in the past, for example, they might say, "Hey, Jordan, uh, I'm a I love your show. I especially love this, that, the other thing. Um, I'm a designer. I know that you hate when people say, "How can I help you?" But here's my portfolio. I do a lot of social media backgrounds. I did notice that your YouTube background is not that great. Or your thumbnails are, are could probably use a little work. Pardon me if you design that. I'll shut my face if they're testing well. I'll shut my face. But I would love to give you the opportunity to test some stuff. I'll gladly do it for free. And if you like my design work, who knows, maybe there's something else later down the line. That's a really fair ask. You're basically saying, I'm going to do all the work for free. I'm going to give you the result and test it and see if you like it. And maybe later there'll be something, but I'm not expecting that. And you didn't ask me what you can do. You gave me an idea. You came with me with a solution. All I have to do is literally reply. You want to make your ask so simple that basically you could reply or I could reply, yes, go for it. And then that would be like, okay, great. Here are three thumbnail designs I think look really good. For example, your Seth Godin interview, you could use this. For your Howie Mandel interview, you could use this. What do you think of these? Are these more your speed? If not, here are two more alternate designs using different colors. Which color scheme do you like better, A or B? Which photo style do you like better, A or B? And then I go, I like the photo style from A, I like the color style from B. And then you reply in a couple days, great, here's photo style, letter style from A, photo style from B. Is this what you want? And I go, yes. And then I go, great, uh, can you do this? Here are the upcoming guests. Great, what do you think of these? Looks good, awesome. And then you do it for free for a while and you go, hey, so uh, would you consider, is this something you'd consider paying for? And I would go, yeah, it depends how much it is. Uh, well, each one, I can have a, my graphic designer in Ecuador do it for 25 bucks. And I go, you know what? You got a deal. These look great. Now you got a client, right? You gave it to me. You gave me the idea. You did the work. You, you made it really easy for me. It was easier to say yes than it was to just kind of ignore it and come up against the same problem. But it, for the one time, the second you start going... Well, tell me more about what you want. That's when I'm like, ooh, I'll put this, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll answer this next week. And for me, next week in my email inbox is uh, 2021, right? By the time a week goes by, you're buried so damn deep in there that I'm probably going to have too much whiskey one night and just select all of the email that's in my inbox and delete it, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I'm just not going to go through it, mm -hmm. you know, so you don't want to be in there. That project's going to lose steam. As soon as you lose steam because you're making me do the work, it's over. Right. Now... Quick answer here, who was in the early days the first high profile, really successful guest that you had that you continued a relationship with and f felt like you were really friends with? Who was like the first one that, that comes to mind? First one? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I've made friends with a ton of people that have helped me with stuff. I've hired a ton of people that have helped me with stuff. I'm pretty sure my producer, Jason, 
originally just helped me with some random web stuff and then was like, ooh, you know, what else, what shows are you doing? And I was like, oh, this is coming up. Oh, man, I'd love to be on that show. And I'm like, hey, do you want to run the recording gear? Yeah, sure. You know, six years later, he's been my full-time producer for the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, he just, he started recording the shows and he never stopped. Well, how do you befriend a celebrity? Because obviously at some point when you start podcasting in what? 2006 or 2008, which one? 2006. Okay, yeah. When you start podcasting in 2006, and uh, obviously somewhere along the way, I mean, I mean, because you were just a at the time an, an attorney, like you weren't you weren't widely known. Somewhere along the way, you gain notoriety and start befriending these celebrities and people like I don't know Robert Green comes to mind, and you're hanging out hanging out at his place and doing interviews with him and he's done several with him over the years and you've got this continued relationship with him. How, how does someone build that relationship with, uh, with a high profile individual without being, well, without being weird, you know? Yeah. Without being a big weirdo. Exactly. You know what? Um, Robert Green, how did that happen? I wanted to get him on the show. He had heard of my show a lot, which helps. Hmm. And I got his email probably from Ryan holiday. I wrote to him. He replied. It was an email that was like, I really love your work. I just wanted to say it changed my life. You know, no response necessary. I think he replied a few weeks later and said, thank you. And then I wrote him again later and I said, you know, you might be really interested in this documentary. It's about Stalinist Russia. And he went, wow, this looks really good. And then a couple of weeks later, I said, I know you probably read and write a lot, but I read this book and it really reminded me of the 48 Laws of Power and I thought it was super interesting. And then he goes, oh, I hadn't seen that one. And then I said, hey, I interviewed the author of that book. I, you might not have had a chance to read it, but here's a podcast interview I did with him. And he went, wow, this is decent. And I said, yeah, I'd love to have you on my show someday. No pressure. We'll figure it out. And he goes, yeah, just let me know when you're going to be in my area. And then when I had him on the show, I read the whole book. And he, after the interview, he said, you know, this is one of the better interviews that I've ever done. A lot of people interview me, but they're not always good. And, I, and he said, congratulations on that. And I said, you know, I worked really hard preparing this. I'm glad you liked it. And then he goes, yeah, anytime. And I said, if you have any other author friends or anybody else you think would be a good fit for the show, just let me know. And we've been going back and forth on that for a long time. And I went to his house and I've met him a bunch of times and, and you know, he knows, likes, and trusts me and he knows I'm not going to waste his time. And that is how you start a relationship that has legs. Excellent. Now, with all these people that you've had on your podcast, do you ever get this is like a, I guess this is like a self-therapy question for me. <laughs> Selfish uh -huh. question. Do you ever get anxious before interviews? Because I'll, I'll tell you when, you know, even, even this one, I get, I get very anxious. It sit, it sets in like 12 hours before. And, and of course, when I was in New York City and we did one with, uh, we did one with James in his uh, stand-up New York studio with the live audience a couple of months ago, I was like, tripping you know I, I just like i'm like i get borderline depressed before in the in the a couple hours leading up it's like this performance anxiety like i really want to I, I gotta show i gotta face this person and i really want to show up well not only for them but for my listeners have you ever had that or did you have it in the beginning and now you over the course of 13 years have you shed it can you have I shed what? I guess I'm the 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 anxiety before an interview. Did you oh, ever have yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, I definitely have it. Uh, had it. I I often have it 
sometimes now, depending on the circumstances, it's almost never the person. It's usually the circumstances. It's like, okay, I'm in the top floor of Google waiting for the CEO to come and he's 25 minutes late and they said I have an hour, but that was from 25 minutes ago. Do I have 35 minutes or do I have an hour still? Like, what's up? And then sometimes people are having a bad day and they get in there and they think you're just a schmo in the beginning and you've got to get a conversation flow going. You know, it's it's not Jimmy Fallon where they're waiting in the green room for you. It's you're rolling into their office with a camera crew and they're a billionaire, right? <laughs> so yeah. like they don't necessarily need to be there and they know that and they're thinking, all right, dude, let's do this. You know, I've had people, we're, we're chatting and we're doing the interview and they'll go, can we start already? And I'm like, oh, it's a conversational-based show. Mm-hmm. And they go, all right. And then at the end, they're like, wow, that was a really great interview. And I'm like, thanks for being an a-hole in the beginning, though, you know? Yeah. But they so don't what, get it. They think yeah. they're waiting for a journalist to go, so, in the beginning of your tenure at Michigan State University, right? I'm Meanwhile, I'm like, hey, you know, I heard you went to da-da-da and you like hiking. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, you know, what's funny about that is that ties into your book a little bit. And they're like, yeah, can we just start? You know, it's like, this is how podcasts work, dude. You know, so, but you can't, you can't say that. You have to be like, oh yeah, we're, we're, we're recording. Don't worry. And sometimes I just want to be like, you think you're better than me, bitch. <laughs> so, but, yeah. I, but I don't do that. What, what's, uh, do you have a go-to way to break through to them if they're really being standoffish? Yeah. Sometimes I'll just say, Hey, have I done something wrong or my team? Do we, do we rub you the wrong way? Or is it just one of those days? <laughs> and often people will go, you know what, man, I, is it that transparent? Yeah, it's been a rough day. I, I honestly, and it's not your fault. I've never had anyone be like, yeah, this interview just sucks. That's never happened. Thank because God. you do your homework. Because I do my homework. And I know that even if someone was like, this interview really sucks, I'd be like, really? Who gave you a better interview? Nobody. Exactly. Right? I mean, maybe I'm a little arrogant when I say that, but usually the people that I'm interviewing aren't coming straight from Jimmy Fallon and Christian Amanpour and uh, frickin' Anderson Cooper, right? You know, they're, and if they are, fine, I can hold my own with them. I mean, I interviewed the, the former prime minister of Israel, Ehud Barak, and at the end, he said, I've had interviews with all the bigwig journalists in the world, and he goes, I've never had an interesting interview like this. So I took that as a huge compliment. Now that's earned over 12 and a half years of interviewing, but that's not something you forget. So if somebody says, hey, you suck at this, it's kind of like if you're playing basketball with somebody who's in the NBA, and I feel like I'm at least at the bottom of the NBA of interviewing, right? And they go, you suck at this game. You know that it's just not true. So I don't really worry about that too much. So I, you know, I know the worst thing that can happen is I just don't get the interview that I want, but usually it's not going to suck. Right. Jordan, time is uh, time's been flying by. Talking talking to one of my social superheroes here. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Again, they can find the course. Listeners can get your course at course.jordanharbinger.com. It's free. Jordan, yes, it's free, and it's really freaking good. And it's not a long thing to go through either. And so again, free. Get it. Course.jordanharbinger.com at Jordan Harbinger on Instagram and the Jordan Harbinger Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. Jordan Harbinger, you are the man. Thank you very much. Thank you. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of Growth Mindset University, the podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, all I ask is that you share it out to your friends 
family, etc. on your Instagram story and tag me and our guest today. And don't forget to message our guest as well so that you build your network as you listen and learn with this podcast. And if you really believe that hearing the message of growth is important to the world and you want to help others find our show and you're not satisfied with just taking a screenshot and sharing this on your Instagram story, well, I've got good news for you. You can go the extra mile in helping spread this message of growth. You can leave us an honest rating and review in Apple Podcasts. We have over 200 ratings right now and it has made a gigantic difference for this show, not only helping people find the show, but getting awesome guests. Thank you all so very much. And until next time, my friends, make every day count, live to learn and grow to give.